a predator glides through the water. Sleek and streamlined, its rounded torpedo-like shape is designed to reduce resistance. Its dense bones keep it below the surface as it propels itself down into the depths with strong paddle-like appendages, generating thrust on every up and down stroke. It's cold in the water, but this predator has adapted to that too. A dense, smooth, insulating coating, fat stores under the skin, a shape that reduces surface area and a specialised blood vessel system. It hones in on its prey. There's no contest. The prey is swallowed whole. Satiated, as the evening closes in, the predator returns to shore and waddles up the beach. Kia ora, nō mai haramai ki te Welcome to Our Changing World, ko Klekin Kanan Why are penguins so cool? They have this kind of absurdity about them that's so very endearing, but they're also quite good at what they do. To answer this, we need to travel into the penguin past and find out just how they got to be the rugby balls with wings that they are today. We'll be following the fossils with an expert guide. I was that dinosaur-obsessed kid. This is Dr. Daniel Thomas, a researcher at Massey University. I was a student at the University of Otago. I had a very inspirational supervisor in Ewan Fordyce, and Ewan had described many groups, but was starting to explore a lot more penguin evolution when I was going through as a student, and I was enraptured with the project that he was describing. So where do we begin our story of penguin evolution? Maybe let's start with where we end up. Today, what have we got? In terms of modern penguins, there are around 18 to 20 And the number does move a little bit depending on how you view some populations and some subspecies. So sometimes they are lumped together and so we end up with fewer species and sometimes they are split apart. And our penguins today look more or less the same. Now, I don't want to insult any penguins out there, but it's a very similar penguin template. Uh, Today, yes, um, we've got little ones and bigger ones, and they don't perfectly scale. So if we take our littlest one and scale that up in size, it wouldn't be exactly the same shape as our biggest ones today, but it wouldn't be too far off. So there's a conservative shape amongst our living penguins and a a moderate uh, range in size amongst our living penguins. Look, I'm not trying to throw shade here. I know there are differences, The Adele go for that classic just black and white look, while the erect crested have that yellow headpiece punk rocker thing going on. But think about the difference between a budgie and a kakapo, just two of the roughly 400 parrot species in the world. How did we end up with modern penguins all having such a similar design? First, let's be clear. Penguins are birds. Penguins have flying ancestors. If we are thinking about the ancestor that then gives rise to the penguin lineage, well, that ancestor also gives rise to uh, albatrosses and petrels and shearwaters. And it's at that step going from that shared ancestor with albatrosses through to penguins, that's where flightlessness, the loss of the ability to fly in air probably comes in. Note how he says flying in air here, because penguins evolve a new trick, flying 
in water. Penguins are amazing in that they do something that birds that fly in air don't do, and that is they generate thrust on both the downstroke of the uh, wing, but as well as the upstroke. So most flying birds will um, generate all of their lift, all of their thrust, by uh, pulling their wings towards their body. And then they effectively tuck their wings close to themselves and reset their wings back into that lifting position. Penguins don't. Penguins have a modified paddle. And so they are essentially rowing um, their wings through the water and generating lift on both the, the down and the upstroke. So they are better flyers than the birds that fly through air, in my opinion. So at some stage, we went from a flying-in-air ancestor bird to a flying-in-water penguin-type bird. When and how did that happen? The earliest penguins that we have are around 62 million years, and I recognise that's just a number, but to put that into context, at 66 million years, that is when the non-avian dinosaurs disappeared from the planet. So a meteorite hit... There was a fairly extensive global event, and shortly after that, the T-Rex-type animals and various other of these types of dinosaurs disappear. Not all dinosaurs, of course, because birds are dinosaurs, right? So it's the non-avian dinosaurs. And that's 66. We've got no evidence for penguins at that point, but then a mere four or so million years later, and we're now in Zealandia, this fragment of Gondwana that has broken away and is drifting north, and it is now an isolated set of islands, and it is here that these penguins are living, and they are exploring the oceans. At this stage, they cannot fly in the air, so they are what we term an obligate marine diver. They must go into the ocean to find food, and up to that point, we actually have no idea about their history. So it's that 62 million year number, give or take, where our story starts. Those first fossils are from Canterbury, given the name Waimanu, waterbird. And these fossils show one key early change. Typical flying birds have hollow bones. That's uh, part of the general body plan of aerially flying birds to make the animal as light as possible so it can has as little mass to lift off the ground. But... Penguins don't want to fly in the air. Penguins have dense bones, and it's for essentially the opposite reason. These are animals that don't want to be light. Um, they actually want to be effectively neutrally buoyant in water so that when they are swimming downwards, all of their thrust is going to be directed downwards, and then when they're swimming upwards, they can have um, all of that motion directed upwards. So a very important adaptation that occurred essentially straight away in the history of penguins was having solid bones. So these 62 million year old penguin fossils from Canterbury have dense bones ready to fly in water. But that's just part of the story. The rest of the shape of these bones is actually still reminiscent of their flying ancestors. So they're actually slightly odd looking animals. They have you know, these these thick bones of a diving bird, but they've got relatively slender bones 
of an animal that we would anticipate would actually still be flying in air. So uh, the earliest penguins on record are these, what we might think of as a transitional form. Four million years later, bones show even more adaptations for diving. In between six to 13 million years later is when fossils show the stiff wing joint forms that we see in modern day penguins. The wing has essentially become a fixed paddle, powered by motion at the shoulder. It sounds like a long time, but it's actually happening uh, really quickly, and it makes sense. There's a lot of pressure on these animals to head out and find food. It's the only place that they can get their food, and so, yeah, the the forces of of natural selection here are really uh, rapidly shaping penguin bodies in that early stage. It's not a straight line from early proto-penguin to modern day. And remember, we're talking millions of years here, so the planet is changing too. We've got a hothouse period at around 56 million years ago when there would have been no polar ice caps. And though estimates of the timing vary, around 30 to 40-ish million years ago, there was the opening of the Tasmanian and Drake's passages, which meant Antarctica was now surrounded by water. This enabled the startup of the Antarctic circumpolar current and, it's been suggested, drove a host of evolutionary changes in marine mammals. And... Evolution is also just a big fan of tangents, twists and turns. And there are some cool ones in the penguin story. Something fascinating happens actually really early on, and that is penguins will reach their body size ceiling as far as we know it. In that earliest stage, we will get our first giants and then the biggest giants that we currently have any evidence for. That's right. About 55 to 60-ish million years ago, we find evidence of the giantest penguins. So what I mean by giants in terms of penguins is anything that's bigger than the living set of modern penguins. And so for us today, that is emperor penguin. An emperor penguin is an animal that reaches around a metre tall as an adult. Maybe it's around 35 kilograms. Emperor schmemperor. Fossil evidence suggests that in the past, some penguins were built much bigger, 1.3 metres tall, or even taller. And the body mass is scaling um, to the the cube of height, right? So as soon as we're talking about a a penguin that is 1.3, 1.4 metres tall, these things are getting up to 120, 140 kilograms. Like They are huge animals. And so that is something that happens very early on in their history. That 150 kg upper ceiling for giant penguins that Daniel mentioned is from a fossil called Kumimanu from North Otago, estimated to be from about 59.5 to 55.5 million years ago. Among the last of the giant penguin fossils that have been found, dated to around 27 million years ago, is one that Daniel and one of his students worked on. 15 years after its discovery, a 30 million year old penguin fossil has been identified as a completely new species. The preserved remains were first found by the Hamilton Junior Naturalist Club back in 2006. Now Massey University researchers say the bird, while closely related to another giant penguin, appears to be just a bit more leggy. So where are they, I hear you cry? Where are the giant penguins and the longer-legged penguins and the penguins of the weird beaks? I'm sorry to say, they're gone. All but one. In terms of our penguin timeline, we talked about 62 million years. Those are penguins, certainly, but those are our earliest penguins. And a lot will happen over time 
and up to a point we will have many penguins come and go giants and little ones and what have you and then all of that diversity essentially dies off through time except for some species that will live 15 or so million years ago and that species will give rise to all of the modern penguins that we have today We may never really know what happened to all the others, but it's clear that Zealandia was a home for penguins in their evolutionary past, and it continues to play an important role in the penguin present. From that one common ancestor, we now have six different types or genera of penguins: Aptenodites, emperor and king, brush-tailed penguins, little penguins like our Cordura, banded penguins found in South America and Africa, crested penguins of which New Zealand has a few and the last is megadiptes and megadiptes are our hoiho our yellow-eyed penguin and we only find that type of penguin the yellow-eyed type penguin here so it's not a genus that we share with any other part of the world the crested penguins that we have here tawaki and others we have our own endemic species certainly but we find crested penguins in other parts of the world eudiptula our little penguins corora we of course share with australia right so there are these geographic spreads of these types of penguins but we have our own that is megadiptes Thanks to Dr. Daniel Thomas, senior lecturer in zoology and ecology at Massey University, Albany. Ko Clergen Kananaho, te kaiho tu o tēne hōtaka. I āwhina mai a William Ray Rawa ko Ellen Rikers. I produced this one with help from William and Ellen. Sound engineering was by William Saunders and Tim Watkin is executive producer of podcasts and series at RNZ. Kia faia ite huruhanga ite tahi taupanga paiake kia koe. Follow the Our Changing World podcast on your favorite podcast app. Our show webpage is at rnz.co.nz/ourchangingworld and if you've got feedback for us you can email ourchangingworld@rnz.co.nz or find us on Facebook or X where we are at RNZ Science. Tinakoi ifakarongo mai. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Claire Kincannon. Have a great week. Kia pai. Te wiki.